0: i'm
1: hannah reeves director of sager broadest gallery in columbia missouri on march 1st 2020 conceptual artist writer and filmmaker alex lambert began an artist residency with sager broadest gallery shortly after she returned to brooklyn for what was supposed to be a brief visit home and found herself in lockdown there in the epicenter of the pandemic unable to return to the residency in missouri at least in the traditional sense I continued conversations with Alex and the nature of the work she'd undertake changed shape as the virus moved to the forefront of all our lives. Perspectives on a Pandemic is the project and original work of Alex Lambert, bringing a variety of voices on our current global situation. It is a production of the Sager Broadus Gallery Artist in Residence Program.
0: This week on Perspectives on a Pandemic, my guest is Joe Loya. As a boy in the early 70s, Joe dreamt of becoming a philosophy professor or a theologian. He loved ideas and words. His preacher father prepared him for academia by teaching him both Greek and Latin. In 1971, when Joe was nine years old, Joe's beloved mom died after prolonged painful illness. Joe's memoir, The Man Who Outgrew His Prison Cell, tells the story of how his home life turned brutal until he picked up a steak knife and plunged it into his father's neck. The book details his subsequent descent into crime, culminating with a 30-bank heist spree and eventual arrest. He ended up in solitary confinement for almost two years. He discovered his voice on the page, and the trajectory of his life was permanently altered. Three years later, he re-entered society and became contributing editor for the Pacific News Service. Please welcome Joe Loya.
1: How are you doing, my friend? I'm now recording. Go on. Yes, good to good to talk to you.
0: I'm always so happy to talk to you. Um, so I just want to tell the people who are listening a little bit about how we met first. Um, I met Joe Loya, extraordinary writer and dear friend now. Uh, many years ago, over a decade, I think. Yeah, well yeah. over a decade, maybe Hell 15 yeah. years ago. A mutual friend introduced us because he knew about our mutual interest in prison memoirs, and we, our first phone conversation went on for a very long time, (laughs) uh, talking about prison memoirs. And we just, I, at least I felt like we just got along so great, and we became friends, instant friends. And since then, we've collaborated on many things, um, including most recently, Joe wrote this beautiful introductory essay for a book of mine about. The courtroom experience. I love that book. Um, but I, you know, I follow you on Instagram, <laughs> and uh, and and since this whole horrible time has started for everybody um, with stay-at-home orders and social distancing, um, you've been posting kind of tips on uh, surviving isolation that have stemmed from your time in prison and your time in in solitary, yeah. and And I just have found them really great and compassionate and smart and also sometimes funny and really helpful. (laughs) And so I I definitely want to talk about that. But I first wanted to talk to you about the language surrounding that, because um, when I first started following people who were tweeting and writing things, there was a lot of language that is in language of incarceration. Oh, well, we're all on lockdown. Some people who feel like this is not appropriate, and so I guess I wanted to start with asking you about that before we move on to the tips.
1: You know, everyone's allowed whatever view they want to take on on whatever they want to their experience. I'm not I'm not going to say that there's one right way to look at it or wrong way to look at it. I will say that as an ex criminal who was not an accidental criminal, meaning. I wasn't, I had no criminal, um, I wasn't, I didn't belong to a gang, I wasn't. A, didn't belong to any drug milieu, um, My no one in my family had been to prison. I turned myself into a criminal and, because I wanted to go make bank. I didn't have a drug addiction, underwriting it. I wanted to be transgressive. I wanted to be somebody who, who was, you know, breaking the rules. And so when I stopped committing crime and said I didn't want to do that anymore, I still wanted to have my mind in service of crossing lines and blurring things. One thing I realized right away when I decided to change my life was that most people on the planet, their minds and their brains are in service of constantly looking for the obvious distinctions between things. That's how we come up with the whole other um, phenomenon where you otherize other people. You, you turn them into not you and here's why you're not me. And that's the that's right. a, to me that's the laziest thinking. That's why everyone could do it. And that's why most people do it. It is the laziest option. And I feel like uh my mind is in service of trying to be transgressive in that way. I don't want to think like that. And so what my mind is constantly doing is trying to look for the hidden likeness in everything, which is the poetic sense as well. But the, the poet tries to do that. And so I challenge myself and I challenge others to think like that. Um, oh, you were never in prison, so you can 't use language of bondage and 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 emancipation like I can, and like that 's just a bunch of bullshit to me for me. my brain just repels against it, rebels against that i don't i don't i don 't think that way when we got locked down, my first instinct was like, "Hey, welcome to my wheelhouse. You all are going to be where I was. This is where I thrive." I know how all of a sudden to be in a place, and I just look for the hidden likenesses. And can you talk about those? Because that's interesting to me. You're not in lockdown. With you're not in you're not in solitary confinement. You're not in the situation I was in. They're not bringing food to your cell, opening your cell trap, sliding the food in three times a, a, a day. They're not giving you only one hour out of your cell, and it's not that. But there are things in common. What are the hidden likenesses? And that's why I go for that. I'm not gonna. I'm not the, the prisoner who says, you can't think like, you can't use these words. So let's use those words. For example, one of the things that happens when you, when I got locked down, I got taken out. I was arrested. Somebody, my, my cellmate had been murdered. The prison went locked down. I was in the yard at the time and um, they got us all and they all put us in the, they locked down all the units and then they locked down the prison. We were locked outside in the yard and then they just ushered us into the auditorium and then it was time for lunch. So they ushered us all into the the chow hall and they started feeding us. And while we were in there, all these guards rush in, they came looking, they all got pictures, they grabbed me and they take me and lock me down in solitary confinement. Now, I don't know what's going on. I didn't know who that might have been murdered in his unit in his cell. Um, I'd find out by the end of the night, but then they ended up arresting five other Mexican guys that same night. So we're all in lockdown for almost two years. So first thing you do when you get locked in that cell, they open the door, open cell 18, close cell 18, you go inside and you realize I have no property, nothing. Um, they're going to come and they're going to give me a sheet. They're going to come and give me a pillow. They're going to, I like it. have nothing in here. So you wait. Now what happens is immediately you can't worry about what's outside of the walls. You have to worry about that space. You have to lock down and say, "Okay, well, here's what I got. What what's here? I got a toilet. I got a sink. I got a bunk. I got a floor. Got some toilet paper right there, and I got a little desk right here. A tiny little desk with a little stool that just pulls out. You see, what do you do? You get busy. You own that space. You get you get some some of the toilet paper in your hand, wet it a little bit, and you get on your hands and knees and you wipe the floor." you just wipe it of all the dust bunnies. You just get that floor clean. That's your floor. You wipe it down. You look at the sink. Like you do that. Then they finally start bringing you your soap, shampoo. And you start asking this guy on the tier. He's called a runner. He like sweeps the tier. And sometimes he's able to pass things back and forth. And you see what, what the routine is going to be. Hey, when do we go to showers? Oh, we go shower three times a week. When do we go? We go Monday, Wednesday, Friday. Okay, we'll try to get what your routine is. But you're concentrating solely on here. You don't have any of the luxuries that you had when you were in the basic prison population. You could get cigarettes. You could get, you know, somebody on the in the unit had a store where you could go get Snickers. You can go get chips. You can go get two for one. You would get one and you owe him two at at canteen. Like there's all these things that are going on where you have to focus right where you are in that unit. Get some information from the runner about when you shower, what, um, um when you go to wreck just own that like you have to concentrate that you can't worry about that what's what's out there you can't worry about what you were thinking about for visits what you were gonna have over there you were gonna wait looking for what you were looking forward to you have to go whoop I'm right here because all that stuff will drive you crazy that happens when you're in there you can't worry about when you're gonna get out can't Or else the calendar will harass you. As it is, we're really good about that as prisoners. Because when we go to prison in general, nobody has calendars on their walls. That'll drive you crazy. That, that whole, that whole movie trope where they have like the guy crossing out the date. That does not happen. You do not, that calendar will harass you. It's a watch, watch pot doesn't boil kind of thing, right? so we're kind of already trained when we get in the lockdown like okay i can't worry about when i'm going to get out i'm going to get out when i'm going to get out they now have complete ownership of this investigation and you try to just calm bring everything down make everything small you concentrate on the next step you look at your feet what's what's in front of me what do i do now you don't try to do go global what does it mean what's going to happen well, no you can't you focus let me get this stuff done and then you start trying to you do your exercises you get a routine. You make your bed when you get up and you only lay in it once for a nap once a day. And you don't sit in that thing again because that thing becomes quicksand. That thing becomes, it'll just suck you in, right? And so you own the space. Play concentration games. I would sit there and look at one spot for as long as I could. Whatever. The point I'm making is that when you're in there, you do not have access to the things you had before. And you have to get right with it as soon as possible as soon as possible
0: these are some of the things that are interesting to me because i think you know i'm such a notorious introvert but i think psychologically it's such a different thing from saying oh i'm going to take a week and be away from people
1: that's the hidden likeness people are like oh you could still do all these things yeah but what was what happened is this circumstance is so severe and it has been foisted on you that your limitations that's why you're like me when I win a solitary crown. That's one point I'm trying to make. I get it when the body wants to bump up against like, hey, I don't have the freedom I had yesterday. I can't just get up, go here, go to the gym, lift some weights, get some aggression on. I can't play basketball at night. I got to be by myself. And even though I like to be by myself, it was the same, same as you. It was foisted on me. I was stripped immediately of a lot of things. And that kind of vertigo, a vertigo sets in, in which even though you're good at it, you have to have a period of adjusting to it. And that's again, that's one of the hidden likenesses. And that's what I was trying to say. I've helped my daughter through this by explaining these things to her like, oh, I get what you're going through. It's not the same intensity. You're not lying in bed at night afraid that a guard's going to open your cell when you're asleep and let another guy open his cell so he can come in here and stab you. You're not afraid of that like I was. <laughs> but so, you know, it's a different circumstance, but it is still. There were still many things in common, and one of them is um, what I just mentioned about the bed. That if you're not careful, you know that great thing about about uh, Nietzsche said, you know, if you stare into the abyss, the abyss is staring into you. If you're not careful, man, if you're not careful around the edges, the bed is staring into you. The bed is staring into you. saying, you know what? I I think you think you're sleeping on me. I'm gonna start sleeping on your ass. Right? I'm gonna absorb you. you like you you end up becoming like a Something in those that, movies. That's for sure a similarity because I got to get out off my bed every day. Yeah, you have. To, I mean, it's a thing, right? And the other thing, too, is I, yeah. wrote, I wrote a thing when it first happened saying how to survive solitary confinement. And I, one of the things I said, I was like, and, uh, you know, rub one out every day. That was my, one of my things. The other thing was like, and scrub your junk every day. Scrub your junk every day, and then the, the it was like the third or fourth thing, and then there was the eighth thing was like, did I say scrub your junk? Scrub your junk every day, man. It is a third, fourth, and eighth. Thing, but, here's the, but here's the thing: is that we and it's it's metaphorical too but it's it's also a thing like we, we, we in prison you only get three showers a week but you still have to bird back. you still want to be in front of that you, you exercise exercise so you you lay your um your t-shirt down you stand on that and you you're at the sink you're scrubbing up you're scrubbing everything you gotta scrub because you don't want to feel like you're in squalor even though it's squalid conditions you personally want to have as much ownership I think it's like a mental health thing just scrub so that you feel less squalid in a super squalid because that's again you don't want to fall into you don't want to fall you don't want to fall that's what you're trying to prepare against and the other thing is I recommend don't get caught when you're in solitary confinement they take you to the bathroom at the corner of the the tier you don't want to get caught singing Morrissey in the shower that's another thing (laughs) You don't want to come back to yourself. <laughs> <But I> think, <laughs> and all the guys are looking at you like, what the fuck? What do you mean every day is not like Sunday? Every day is like Sunday. We're in solitary.
0: <laughs> the days, it's very quick before you go, I don't know what day it is. Exactly. <laughs>
1: really every know. day is but like Sunday.
0: This sense of vertigo. like I feel like there's been an actual physical like, response where I feel this off-balance sense of like the world just kind of disappearing, like almost in a... Um, Science fiction movie, just literally disappearing good. outside those walls of my apartment, which is about you saying you have to concentrate on what is still there. But I can feel, I feel that, and it you know makes me feel
1: wonky. What you're feeling in every every major spiritual tradition it doesn't matter what it was, it doesn't matter if it was in China, it doesn't matter if it started, what doesn't matter what river civilization it started at, and every one of them solitude. Solitude is where a higher harmony was allowed to assert itself, which means shit has to go away before something can assert itself. It needs to move. Shit needs to move out of the way so it can assert itself. And in solitude, in all those religions, people have breakthroughs. And the reason they have breakthroughs is they start realizing, oh, all that shit that I thought was indispensable, look at me. I'm fucking living with shit. It's dispensable, which means... I'm like this close to realizing most of the shit out here that I value is an illusion. And that, when you get to that place, you're forced to confront a whole new reality, a whole new circumstance of life. That's just where values change in cultures and everything. People, when they come out of these things, they have a whole different feeling about things that they would have, been, would have bothered them before.
0: And also a feeling about things that, yeah, I feel like there's also, there's all this time to kind of have process your, or not process, but just wallow in guilt and shame and regrets and like there's too much, you know, you're really with yourself.
1: It's all with you. I would, what I said, what I said about confinement, as i said, the density of the confined space where you're just right there, it crushes all the clutter in your head. So like all of a sudden I couldn't watch TV. I, I could only read books that came into my cell. you know if i I, by the time i got a phone within a month i was having books sent to me but for a while i i could not choose what entertained me i just had to like hey man you got a book and then sometimes the the library would bring a, a book card through and i would just grab whatever i could um not that I would have chosen it before, but I didn't have very many options. So the density of this confined space—I'm talking about when you're in your house and you don't have—you don't have distractions. You can be in the world. You're not going to the gym. You're not getting. I think half the reason these people are falling apart because they can't go get their nails done, their hair done. Is just It's all a distraction. You notice, and most of that stuff is like superficial things. There's nothing essential about it. You don't need to go to a restaurant to eat. We're all eating in our houses. We don't need to get our nails done. We don't. We're not going clubbing. Well not you know, like there's there's a lot of things in which when you don't have them, you start realizing the, the value of them. And what was great for me. And what they were filling. What what you start realizing that they are they are they are superficial themes. They're not the real part of who you're about, what you're about. In fact, what you're about is growing out in your hair. You see the real color of your hair, you see the real like that's who you really are. You start confronting yourself kind of in a metaphorical way. You really start confronting who you are, not who you're who you present to the world, but who you really are. It's maddening to a lot of people. People have gone mad in that situation and are going mad. We have a mental health crisis because of this. Um, But I do think that there is something to be said for if we want emancipation of any kind, we have to go through this thing where we question the categories that we lived by before. And the vertical that you're feeling, I would recommend. Is this point where, if we were to do this for a year, people would come out of this, and half the people who walked out of it, I think would walk away, turn back to their house and bow to their house and thank the house for all the lessons that they were taught by that silence or by the that time alone and all that crushing solitude or the crushing you know forced you know lockdown, whatever people would learn things about themselves and grow through it over time, like we know when people do have long periods of solitude, they're they're not, the, they're not the same. One of my favorite scenes in uh, the Tom Hanks movie where he got shipwrecked, there's a scene when he comes back and they have this big hotel and they have this big spread and they got shrimp and all it's in the two starving to get fish and now they got this bowl of just like a bunch of shrimp and just half of the seafood in front of him. And he's just, it's, it's night and he has this, he's lying on the floor. He's not even on the bed because the bed doesn't matter anymore. Bed was a comfort. He was marveling at the things that he had taken for granted before. Because solitude, there's there, that's what I'm saying. There's there's you're changed by it, and you're being changed. The thing that you're talking about, I believe, is that. Yeah, you're ch- it's not just solitude.
0: Like I was always obsessed with those, any kind of survival books. So like the book Alive about the mm-hmm. um, team that crashes in the Andes, and they have yeah. like to, and then they all if you if you read their interviews following up when they when they got back to civilization, none of them slept in beds because they couldn't, they were used to being all crowded mm-hmm. in the fuselage and they, and they mm-hmm. couldn't find comfort in a bed. They had trouble walking because they had been walking on snow for months and they were like all, you know, there was a lot of like, in, I think it was three months that they were in the Andes, but there was an enormous amount of, of this kind of change, not from solitude because they were together, but from a but conf- an extreme but confinement
1: situation. My, my daughter just finished a short documentary, which I can't wait to show you. It's a 20-minute documentary. It's called "Life Hacks While Confined." She interviewed me because I was in solitary confinement. She interviewed my friend Jesse De la Cruz, who was an ex-member. He's an ex-member of the Mexican uh, a Mexican mafia called the Nuestra Familia. She interviewed Piper Kerman, Orange is the New Black. Oh, great! We were, so we we're all confined in prison, but the reason she called the conf. Um, Life hacks, while confined as opposed to in prison, is because the fourth guy she interviewed is Michael Scott Moore, who was held another friend of mine who was held by Somali pirates for two and a half years, and in there he reveals that um when he came out, he also couldn't walk. He had he tried I mean he tried to run to jog, and he like his legs had atrophied because they had him yeah. sitting down most of the time, right? But also the thing about that is that what I loved about her choosing the word confinement is that she recognized that. He wasn't imprisoned, but he was uh, like like us. He was forced to live in a circumstance in which he was confined, you know. And so he came out of that an entirely changed person. It's 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 a different way of valuing things and a different way of moving in the you know moving yourself through the world.
0: But in terms of some of the just actual little me- mechanisms, like you mentioned, concentration, and I like now I'm reading again a lot, but the first. I don't know, three weeks. I was really, I couldn't concentrate on reading.
1: A lot of friends have told me that. Like we said, your mind was in flux. You were trying to, you were trying to, um, you were trying to find your footing. It's like being on those, you remember those when we were kids? I don't know if you ever went to a, one of those theme parks, like uh, Mike, the first one I ever went to, I tried this on was at Magic Mountain, and Magic Mountain in uh, in Valencia. Uh, it's like it spins and spins and spins. At first you're standing kind of against the wall and then the faster it spins they start pulling the floor out from under you and now you're just stuck to the wall and you're doing, and you're, but for a minute when the store starts moving you start trying to move your feet and your feet are kind of dangling like tiptoeing and then boom, you don't have any floor underneath i feel like it's that or it's a that's a great description or what um what uh what Foucault call epistemological thaw like how do you know that you know anything is epistemology, right? But epistemological thaw is this interesting moment where it's not solid and it's not liquid, it's thaw. It's that one. No, oh, it's that fraction between where it's neither nor, or one or, one or the other. There were, that's what, were, what people had to do. They had to adjust. Some people are still doing it nine weeks out. But I think a lot of people, they had to find their footing in the beginning because you have to, and you don't beat up yourself for that. You don't get upset. She shouldn't be upset about it. You shouldn't... Nobody can just, like, through this. Even people, like, who have been habituated to doing time. It. I had to, like, find language for it. I had to find my footing. I had to kind of take note of all the energies that were around me. Like, you were alone, but I had... My wife all of a sudden was in the home. And she... My right. wife walks softly on the planet. So it's not like this heavy-duty energy. But it was another energy in the house that I now had to account for because... I was, she was her, doing her Zoom meetings and I could pick up her mood from that. And then I had to process that. And then her mood was dancing with my daughter's mood and I had to dance with that. And so I was like, whoa. And so it's just like, it was the softest energy adjustment, but it was an energetic adjustment that I had to figure out on top of all this other shit that was going on inside of me. I think Americans especially have this, tendency to feel
0: like I have to be productive all the time I have to do stuff I have to accomplish things and and the the most productive thing you can kind of do right now is stay home
1: <laughs> yeah. and uh
0: I think that I think that sense of like oh I actually am doing something by staying home is lost on a lot of people
1: because I do feel like there's a real sort of Ben Benjamin Franklin like gotta get a lot of things done Let's look at what is, yeah. what, is the, what are we supposed to do today what am I what do, what what do I feel like you know you know let's is it harvest time, or is it this? do we do this like just you know very very let's we can do it all, let's do it all, kind of oh well, right. we're at it, let's write this, and let's discover this or whatever, and I feel like there is a sort of that about how people try to take care of themselves, and I feel like yeah. they feel like they need to be doing a lot of things but i I do feel that we have we're bumping up against. Sometimes if you're not doing anything, it's seen as you're lazy or whatever. And I feel that sometimes not doing something is actually sometimes the most heroic thing you can do. I said that once. when I wrote a whole essay on that when I first got out of prison. See, some people, their heroism is not picking up the needle and not picking up the gun. Their heroism is an act of not doing. I liked that Italian mayor who was like, this is not I am legend. You're
0: not Will Smith. <laughs> Go <on>. home. <laughs> this is, you know, like yeah. standing at like.
1: Yeah, I mean, anyway, as it is, we've seen all these people who are touting the gospel of, you know, uh, be prepared. We got to be prepared. We all—they all get—they all, get, all get finally in lockdown, and they're like, "I can't stand being inside, man. I gotta get the fuck out, man. I gotta get." My wife. What they these preppers prepped for all the food. They got food for days. They prepped for all the guns. They got all the guns they need. What they didn't prep for was a wife that needed to go get her hair and nails done because <laughs> like. <laughs> you gotta get the fuck out of here she would they prep for everything except like real humans being humans in confinement like what are they going to want they're not going to want to just be locked down and prep that you know like you can't prepare for that and so i don't think that anybody's really prepared for including someone like me this is a challenge even me who's gone through it sometimes it's challenging um but you have to manage it, and sometimes the management. Some of my best management days have been a day of of two naps, of binge watching. I don't know Westworld, Killing Eve, something, and uh, or the other day for a day and a half I binge watched uh, Dead to Me, and then I came out of it and I was oh, so yeah. productive the next day. It was like, how the hell did I just go from like being a slug on the couch to being. To like being so productive.
0: I find that too. The peaks and valleys like, oh, then, that yeah. whole day I was gone watching TV. But then the next day I was.
1: And I don't, you know what? I, I don't, I'm not hard on myself for that because I'm finding that there is, there is a different, um, there is a different rhythm that is, a, that is asserting itself in me now because mm, my energies are being used differently. and am being taxed differently. I'm actually feel like I'm using muscles that I haven't used before or haven't used in a long time. Well, you know, this is a fantastic time for a lot of opportunities for not only us personally to reevaluate who we are. we can now have a really sober conversation about, hey, you know what, most of those guys are in there for things that are no longer illegal. For one, most of the guys, are a lot of the guys are in there for drug offenses with marijuana. In our state, yeah, I can go to the other corner and buy marijuana if I want. All I gotta do is cough. <laughs> And say, no, I'm kidding. I don't have to do that. But you know what I'm saying. I mean, it's it's not illegal here in the state. And so a lot of these laws, this is going to change so much about um, the way we can address some of these issues moving forward. Right now, it's terrible. Right now, I mean, it's terrible. I would hate to be in prison. In fact, because of my podcast, by the way, the score, Bank Robber Diaries. uh, Yeah, please. We haven't even begun to see how that's going to impact society. The the, the prison component—it's going to be—it's going to be different. I mean, it's going to be different. But since we've come back all back around to the tips tips for surviving
0: solitary, what is what are some of the tips you've given your daughter that have been most, most received by her or appreciated?
1: We have to slow down. You have to slow. You have to. You have to pay attention to your body, your anxiety. Like, like, listen to yourself, because if you want to be able to manage the the noise in your body, you have to be listening. Where is it? Where is it getting? Where are you getting anxious? Where are you getting worried? Where? And so you need to slow down. So one, you're receiving pulsations from around you with more awareness faster you go, the more things you're doing, the more calls you're on, the more things you're you're just, you're receiving too much data. And you know, music was so good for me when I was in solitary. Oh my God, I discovered grunge. I was in Lewisburg Penitentiary, I was locked down in the hole in Lewisburg, one of the darkest periods of my life. And this little school, Bucknell, I think it was Bucknell University, and up there by Harrisburg, um, at night I would listen to their college station and they were playing the fuck out of grunge, screaming trees, <laughs> you know, Alice in Chains and, uh, Soundgarden and all that stuff, Pearl Jam, just like music, music saved me when I was in there. And then there was one station where every night, every Sunday would play six albums straight. They would start in the afternoon and they would just end and you could just hear six Full albums, back to back. Just sit on your bunk in solitary, or sit on that chair in solitary, or in the night, sitting, you lie in your bunk. So music is a big thing, right? You know, you find yeah. your soundtrack to your solitude, or find your soundtrack to your quarantine, find the soundtrack to what this is now that helps you through it. Oh, and I want to tell her not to sing Morrissey in the shower.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Good advice. That's our tip for
0: everybody. That's my Morris tip for As
1: a general tip. Just don't get caught singing like, Morrissey. You could sing it. Don't just don't sing get Morris
0: caught.
1: in the shower. <laughs> I say that because I, I fucking sing Morrissey in the shower. I actually love Morrissey.
0: In addition to his memoir and his op-eds, Lawyer has written for theater, film, and television. He serves on the board of directors for a re-entry program called Walden House. He has his own podcast, The Bank Robber Diaries, which you should definitely check out.